We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Josh Siegel, a high stakes player that took fifth place in the 2019 FFPC main event regular season a contest that will pay out $3.1 million in prizes, including an industry record $500,000 grand prize. Siegel has already won well over $25,000 in his high-stakes career, and you can follow him on Twitter at salesrecruiter underscore. In this episode, we discuss playoff roster construction, the player that FFPC managers should make sure they get on their teams for the stretch run, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is the fifth-place team owner in the 2019 FFPC Main Event Regular Season and $25,000 high-stakes winner, Josh Siegel. A happy Thanksgiving to all of the FFPC players, high stakes players, and of course, Rotoviz uh, listeners and subscribers, as we have uh, an extra special Turkey Day episode this week. 
that I am uh, recording with one Josh Siegel, a guy who is, boy, Josh, you've been, I think you've been as high as uh, second place in the FFPC main event before, and and now you got another top five team floating around this uh, this year, uh, much later in the season here on Thanksgiving weekend. So welcome aboard, and thanks for doing the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. We, uh, we, we're coming up on crunch time and, and I, you know, I've had some special teams over the years that do very well in September that, you know, even early October, they're right at the top of the leaderboard, but I've never really had one like, like a massive, uh, juggernaut of a team where, uh, we're, we're headed into, you know, December's right around the corner. And here you are out of 2,400 teams, you have the fifth place overall team, uh, in this event. What, what, to, to take the listeners, uh, behind the curtain a little bit and, What's that like, you know, when you, you know you're only a few weeks away from a $500,000 grand prize and only a few teams away from being in the driver's seat for it? Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty surreal. And, and, you know, it's a little bit of deja vu. So you had mentioned, uh, you know, I was in second place last year with a week to go. And uh, I, I know I got a lot of press because I was the uh, one of only two main event teams to play Derrick Henry. Uh, when he had his blowout four four touchdown 200 plus yard game, and I was more so forced into it last year because I had two injuries. Uh, remember, like yesterday, two injuries during the middle of the week, where the only guy left on my bench to put in was Derrick Henry. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, flew up to second place with the week left, and uh, been been sleeping on my my quarterback decision all off season. I, I started Russell Wilson, who, if I recall, had an awful game. I think he had three or four interceptions, finished with like seven or eight fantasy points. And I dropped all the way from 10, uh, from second. I don't even remember, man. I was in the fifties or sixties. Oh, so was brutal, you know, so I was, I was close and uh, I'm really looking forward to get some revenge on, on last year's finish. Well, so, here I am. And the, here you are. And the good part about this is is you should not have a, a tough quarterback decision for the remainder of the season as long as health prevails here. Uh, congratulations on going for a league title here coming up in week th- uh, 13. Fifth place overall in the main event. And the big reason for that, well, one of the big reasons for that, is Lamar Jackson. He's been awesome. He's, he's the MVP of the league, it looks like, right now. Um, as we look forward to, uh, and I believe your backup is Jared Goff, so this should be an easy decision for you the rest of the way between uh, Absolutely. between Jackson and Goff. Um, as we look, because I and I bring this up because Patrick Mahomes, if we remember the 2018 drafting season, in a lot of leagues he was going in like the eighth, ninth round, and he obviously had the MVP season. It shot him up uh, to the first quarterback off the board in, in 2019. Are we on a similar path with Lamar Jackson? How high is he going to go in FFPC drafts next year? And do you think it's a price that you're going to be willing to pay? Yeah, you know, you made a good point. And I've always been a a big fan of the late round quarterbacks. And uh, I look at high upside. And, you know, one one thing, I had a a good friend of mine who's sitting with me drafting live in Vegas. And I was on the clock and and, uh, Drew Brees was there, uh, which he thought I should take. And and uh, I said, Lamar Jackson has way too much upside to pass on. And I think it was the 11th or 12th round at the time where obviously he didn't have a quarterback. And um, I, I, look, look what he's done. So I, I just saw the other day his MVP candidacy was 75 to 1 preseason. And he's now the favorite at 1 to 3. And a big reason is him being a dual threat. Uh, he's got a high floor, you know, rushing for sometimes 100-plus yards a game. Uh, I saw that he's going to break the, the record of 
uh, set my Vic with 1,050 rushing yards. He's on pace for 1,300. So um, with all that combined, uh, I think he is certainly outscoring every other quarterback. Um, gosh, he's 75 or 100 points ahead of second place right now. So, um, But for me, that doesn't mean I'm going to draft him in the, in the second or third round, which is where Patrick Mahomes, I think, was going this year. So that's going to be a price that's going to be too rich for me. Uh, I'm always going to look for the value in, in late-round quarterbacks, but there's no doubt about it. He's going to be a league winner for a lot of people, including myself, hopefully. Let me let me just um, roll this, um, throw this at you, and and get your thoughts on it. So you had um, a a mobile quarterback that, um, ah, that's not totally fair because Patrick Mahomes, his big selling point was his arm. He had a cannon for an arm. Let let's put it this way: you had a quarterback in 2018 in Mahomes who in 2017, excuse me, in Mahomes who had a lot of raw talent, needed to harness that talent, and he explodes in 2018. Uh, you had Lamar Jackson last year. Um, he has made huge strides. I mean, the athleticism was there last year too, but he's made massive strides in uh, how he passes the, excuse me, how he passes the ball, and um, his accuracy has greatly improved. Um, now this year, you have another rookie quarterback in Arizona who has shown some flashes. He's put up some pretty good fantasy numbers. Could he be the the Patrick Mahomes of 2018, uh, the, the Lamar Jackson of 2019? Could we be talking about Kyler Murray as the, the, the quarterback to get in like the eighth, ninth round next year as, as a potential league winner? Hey, shh, be quiet. Absolutely. <laughs> and and that that's exactly it. You know, obviously we all wish we had that crystal ball and, you know, we're forward thinking in that regard. But uh, without a doubt, Kyler Murray is someone that's going to be on my target list uh, to, to snatch up in the, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth round. And, you know, my hope is he doesn't, you know, come onto the scene too much more between now and the end of the season. And, you know, we can keep his ADP down uh, where, play, where people like you and I can get a value later on. Uh, but I think just right now the way the NFL is going and, and more of a, a dual quarterback, there's obviously a lot more points being scored, you know, now than, than there was five, ten years ago. And, you know, for right for reason, I think the game's changing. They've, they've made a lot of the rules different where it gives the quarterbacks a lot more flexibility. But the, the quote-unquote pocket passers, the Drew Breeses and uh, the, the Tom Brady's of the world – uh, I, I just I really think it's more so going for the type of quarterbacks like like the Kyler Murray's and, and the Marge reactions that you can craft an offense around and you're really going to be able to make a differentiator in that regard. And, you know, being able to have, uh, you know, Greg, Greg Roman create an offense just like he has in this offseason, you see the impact it's made. I mean, they made the Rams look silly and the Rams were notorious to have a top defense this year. Yeah, I yeah. did think about Aaron Donald, the, the trade of Jalen Ramsey. I mean, there's a lot of talent uh, on that roster, and you're right. They made him look silly. and it, it, I mean, they scored a touchdown. Every single drive that Lamar Jackson was out there, they scored a touchdown on, which was uh, just – it was really, really fun to see, you know, from a – from a fantasy standpoint, from an NFL standpoint, the he is awesome to watch. I hope we get more prime time from Lamar Jackson going forward. Let's get into your uh, uh, the sort of the meat of your roster here, and, and specifically about your running backs, Josh. You're a little light on them heading into league championship week. You have Marlon Mack on the bench who's hurt. You have Wayne Gallman who's obviously behind Saquon Barkley. 
Um, your starters are great, Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette. Are you planning on addressing the the depth of this position through uh, the waiver wire as you know trying to get like a lottery ticket type back as a last ditch effort to 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 you know sort of supplement what you already have on this roster, or is it more important for you to have that extra selection at wide receiver and tight end for the stretch run? Yeah, so when you look at my roster construction, um, unfortunately losing Mac was was a tough loss. Um, especially since, you know, he was a weekly starter for me and in a lot of ways my RB3. Uh, but now that we're past the bye weeks, uh, my starters are, are McCaffrey and Fournette, and um, I never want to bank on on hoping that injuries don't happen, especially when you have a guy named Leonard Fournette that has not played a full 16-game season. Uh, the only thing is, unfortunately, both of my top dogs, their handcuffs are unavailable in my league. So I'm a little bit, you know, restricted on, on kind of what I'm going to do. You know, when you look at my wide receivers, I have eight wide receivers, which, you know, might be a lot. It gives me a lot of options. But the way that I'm looking at it as I'm going to be starting McCaffrey and Fournette. Uh, I did make a bid on Jonathan Williams and unfortunately didn't have enough blind bid money to, to secure him. But there's just nobody else out there that I see as a wild card that's going to make a difference. The way I look at it is if McCaffrey or Fornick gets injured, I'm screwed anyways. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, and to, to, well, we're gonna let's get into the receiver aspect a little bit of this uh, a, a little bit here, Josh, because it, it doesn't really have the conventional quote unquote stud. Uh, on this roster you have assembled a really good core featuring some guys who in my opinion have played well above their adp this year john brown who who went super late in drafts for whatever reason tyler boyd who i i I think some people had some trepidation about drafting especially with you know aj green being on the roster and then him not playing um boyd certainly had several good weeks including last week tyrell williams in oakland dk metcalf is surprised in seattle what can you talk about uh, and tell us about your strategy sort of on on draft day and the days leading up to it about building up uh that position uh you know after concentrating on mccaffrey and and fournette early yeah and i'm probably you know one of the few that had mccaffrey is the the number one overall player so i was i was the first pick in this draft and it was a very easy decision for me to take, you know, McCaffrey number one. And I was I was eyeing, you know, one of the tight ends, rather be Kittle or Ertz on the on the way back, and you know was able to grab Kittle there at at two uh, dot twelve. And then uh, for the three dot one pick, I was between Fournette and uh, and Keenan Allen. And I really just felt like there's going to be a lot more value to be had this year in, in wide receivers. And I wanted to build, you know, my team on on top dog running backs. Uh, I feel like I was one of the few that really saw, you know, Fournette having a bounce back year. And certainly I don't think anybody thought McCaffrey would have the year that he's having now, which he's on pace to, you know, break Chris Johnson's, you know, overall yards from scrimmage record over 2,500 total yards. So I think with that, you know, just the players that fell to me, I just really felt like I was going to be able to comp- combine you know, some tier two or tier three wide receivers and mix and match all season long. And then, uh, you know, one player I was able to grab later on in the eighth round was Austin Hooper. So it really made it pretty simple all season long to, to roll out, you know, two tight ends, two running backs, and then flexing Mack and, and one other wide receiver. So my choices are pretty, pretty solid. You know, I've, I've two, I have three spots to fill and I've, Got Tyler Boyd, John Brown, Tyra Williams. I actually fortunately drafted Tyra Williams 
the day before the Antonio Brown news came out, so I got some good value on him. Um, DK Metcalf, obviously, you know, turned out to be quite a gem. Uh, Corey Davis still has, you know, wide receiver one potential, but, you know, I think Brown has taken over the spot there. So I don't see Corey Davis making my lineup, but between, you know, Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard, you know, I feel like one of those guys can put up a wide receiver one week at any given time. It just it gives me the flexibility to really play matchups. I want to ask you something that, that you had mentioned about uh, quarterbacks earlier and, and sort of the way the NFL is going right now. It's, it's becoming such a pass-dominant league. You have to be able to pass the ball uh, efficiently and effectively in order to score points. And I'm almost wondering, not that I think 0RB is antiquated because I still don't think it is, but um, when you talk about value, that, that you felt like you could get some value in, at receiver this year in drafts, do you think it's it's directly related to that, the the fact that this has become such a pass-heavy league that people that go heavy on wide receiver right away miss out on those top running backs, whereas you can still get pretty good you know, receivers, to your point, about John Brown, DK Metcalf, guys like that. Are, are those two issues related, and, and that's why you felt like you, you'd be able to add, you'd be able to bolster that position later on in the draft? Yeah, no doubt about it. And you got to think of it like this. You know, there's obviously, you know, 30 plus NFL teams and not even half of those teams have a bell cow running back. So, you know, you're looking 15 or less bell cow running backs, whereas there's two to three wide receivers on the field at any given time. So, you know, that gives 60 to 90 wide receivers in play any given week, which is why there's such you know, a limited amount of running backs to choose from. So I think all of those really factored into my decision. Uh, but I always kind of draft on upside. Uh, you know, Sterling Shepard was a guy that I had my eye on, you know, really felt that, you know, without Odell Beckham there, he had the chance to really pick up that wide receiver one, you know, slot. And obviously, you know, with the injuries and the concussions this year, uh, you know, he's been a little bit of a setback. But, you know, when you look at, at people like him and his schedule, the last three weeks of the season, I think he plays Philly, Miami, Washington. Uh, I know Will Fuller plays Tampa, um, Tennessee, and Denver. So, you know, those are all bottom-tier pass defenses. And, you know, I just I just look at the ability to have multiple options with wide receivers and, and just some show a limited amount of running backs. It made it a really interesting strategy and pretty easy strategy for me to have this year the way that the draft was going. Well, another wide receiver that you did not pay a premium for and that will become an option for you coming up uh, these next few weeks is Nikhil Harry, the rookie out of Arizona State. Uh, comes off IR, promptly catches a touchdown from Tom Brady. What do you expect from him going forward for the remainder of the season? Is this a guy that you might be able to to flex in, you know, that, that second flex position as an upside guy? I know you said you like the upside with receivers, or is it is he still too raw? Is he still too behind the eight ball because of his late start? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And Nikhil Harry, I'll tell you, man, Eric, I went up to the last minute last week in my waivers to decide to keep him or drop him. And obviously, the the you know the the news of Sanu most likely not being healthy, Edelman still dealing with his shoulder. Uh, I just felt like the upside there, there's too much potential there. And you know what it does? It reminds me of a guy by the name of Malcolm Mitchell, another sure. rookie. Uh-huh. That if we remember, I think it was 2016, it was it was right after their bye week, week 10, where Malcolm Mitchell came out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, he wasn't a first-round pick like Nikhil Harry was. He wasn't a, you know, highly sought-after person in that regard. But he finished with 30 catches and 400 yards and four touchdowns down the stretch that season. And if you recall, he was a 
he was a wide receiver too down stretch. So do I see Nikhil Harry having that upside? For sure, which is exactly why I had to keep him on my roster. Now I get the chance to watch, you know, let him sit for a couple more weeks to really make that decision. Uh, but he did, you know, he did get the touchdown last week. He isn't really quite getting the targets, but that was also a pretty nasty game playing in the weather they did. And, you know, I think he's really a little behind, you know, not spending a ton of time with the team, you know, being injured up this entire season, just coming off IR. Uh, but we all know Tom Brady is quarterback. Anything can happen. So um, I'm excited to have him on my team, mostly because no one else can play him against me. Uh, but but more importantly, you know, we all know that the team that wins this five hundred thousand dollars, they always have a wild card player. And I think he could be one of those guys for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think you have a lot of wild card type receivers on this roster. I want to talk about another one um, in, in Wolf Fuller. I have always historically stayed away from him. I stayed away from him in Dynasty rookie drafts. I stayed away from him uh, in, in redraft over the years. And, you know, to, to my own detriment, because he's had some pretty big weeks, uh, because he's the type of guy that will put up 40 for you. Uh, and then the next game he'll leave in the first quarter with a hamstring injury. Or he'll put up, you know, two for 50 and then uh, go out of the game with a concussion or, so, you know, whatever. It just always seems like he's either uh, he's missing games or he's leaving games early. Why? Uh, let me a two-part question on this. Why did you decide to take a chance on him this year? And for fantasy owners, when is the proper time to to draft Will Fuller? Can can you can you can you feel good about drafting him as your third receiver? Um, is he only a player that you look at when you already have three receivers on your roster? Is he the type of guy that you'd only draft if you had five receivers there, where you can just play the upside? How do you handle a guy like Will Fuller? And why did you decide to make the choice to grab him this year? You know, that's a great question again, and I'll just tell you point blank. Will Fuller wasn't really on my draft board, and I actually did not draft him. Uh, believe it or not, he was dropped in week nine by another uh, big-time FFPC player, Two Packer, and was shocked <laughs> to see him dropped, and uh, I scooped him up. And uh, the main reason why is because you see I've, I've got some uncertainty at the wide receiver spot. I really needed to have that guy, especially for a chance at that 500K. I want to have that upside guy. I want to have that guy that can put up a 40-point game. Sure, I'll take the losses, which will be a three- to five-point game, but the ability to put up a 40-point game, I, I, I pretty much blew my wad on that guy. So um, I didn't play him this last week, which I knew he put up 21 points against Indy. But as I just, you know, as I just mentioned, he's got a really favorable schedule weeks 14 through 16. I, I'm not even sure if I'm going to play him this week against the Patriots. But, you know, looking at Denver, they play at Denver. Denver's on the road. You know, they play Tennessee in Tennessee and then they play Tampa at home. I mean, those are three really juicy pass defenses. So, you know, I see I see him, you know, possibly making my lineup one of those three weeks. And, you know, he's a boom bust player. He's definitely not a guy I really had my eyes on. But whenever you see someone with that much upside dropped in your league, you got to scoop him up. Yeah. And it's so yeah. interesting that you bring up two Packer doing this because I play in a private dynasty league with two Packer who every time Will Fuller scores a touchdown, I get a dynasty trade offer in my email box, Will Fuller for a first-round pick. Uh, always <laughs> trying to capitalize 
on uh, the highs of this guy. And uh, shockingly, the guy who can't give up the ghost with him in, in that Dynasty League uh, decided that he would cut bait with him in the FFPC main event. That is fascinating stuff. Good knowledge that you can only get on the road of his high-stakes loan out. I always appreciate that. Let's keep talking about receivers here. A guy actually owning a couple of Dynasty Leagues, Michael Gallup. Uh, you think he's the type of guy, you know, because he's, he's, he's probably going to be the second uh, receiver going forward in Dallas. you got to believe that the Cowboys are going to find a way to lock up Amari Cooper after they gave up that pick to get him. Is he going to be the type of guy who's going to threaten a 1,000 receiving yards, catching balls from Dak Prescott, even though he is the number two option, or the number two receiver, I should say, uh, for the Cowboys? Or is he just going to be like a top 40 type receiver that is is going to be a, a bench filler for high stakes players? How do you handicap Gallup, not only for the remainder of this season, but in 2020 drafts as well, Josh? So I would say I'm probably a lot more familiar with Michael Gallup than, than the average person. And, and the main reason is, is I'm from Colorado. Uh, I followed the Rammies. Um, you know, he obviously was a Colorado State Ram throughout college. He was a beast. Um, and I live in Dallas. So this guy, they, they love him on, on local radio stations here. And I'm a fan. Um, I think his, his biggest inconsistency as a rookie last year is he just didn't get a lot of action. You know, he played in all 16 games, but he, he had only five. I think he had five games of 16 where he saw six plus targets. And as we know, opportunity is what, what helps wide receivers succeed. And this so far this season, he's got six plus targets in eight of nine games. So I think it's also helped that he's part of the number one offense right now. You know, you got a guy like Dak Prescott that's taking the next step. Um, and, and obviously the big reasoning is just, you know, having a revamped offense. And, you know, really, I think sky's the limit for Michael Gallup, you know, because of the team he's on, the talent is definitely there. But really, it comes down to opportunities. And, you know, anytime that you're going to have 100 plus targets as a wide receiver, you're going to have the opportunity to be a wide receiver two or better, which is really what I look at. Yeah, Gallup, it's so funny because when I, I was on the clock, I think in, in my rookie draft a couple of years ago, it was like the early second round, and I was torn between Dante Pettis and Michael Gallup, and I just I kind of threw up my hands exasperated. I asked my four-year-old son at the time, who should I take between Gallup and Dante Pettis, and, and he told me Gallup, and I said, that's who it's going to be. And so I, I trusted him with that, and it's worked out good for me going forward. I, this is the type of guy I think that – um, for me, in, 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 in that dynasty league, I'm looking at him as like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, consistent production uh, that, that, I'll, that I'll count on week in and week out from him. I really like the way that that Dallas offense is rounding. And, and, I'll, and I'll ask you this, because, because you're in Dallas. Um, we had, um, was it Tom Greenwald last week? Uh, well, I know Tom Greenwald was on this show last week. I can't remember if it was him who said it or somebody else. I think it was Tom said, we were, we were talking about the high usage for some of these big-time running backs, you know, um, uh, Todd Gurley, uh, guy, and, and guys who have, you know, had a lot of mileage on and they're starting to show it. And I and David Johnson was the other one we were talking about, Gurley and Johnson. And then I asked him, well, what about Ezekiel Elliott? Are we going to start to see him, um, you know, slow down a little bit, not get the kind of production that we're used to, um, you know, with catching the ball and how much he's using that Dallas offense? 
And he said he thinks you're already starting to see it. Are you seeing that with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, where, where he's maybe um, slowing down a little bit or, or not performing to, to peak efficiency, what we saw when he came into the NFL? Or is it just a matter of, hey, Dak Prescott's really matured. He's rounded into his game. He's got a great couple of targets in Cooper and Gallup. And uh, they don't need to do Elliott. They don't need Elliott to do as much as, as he used to. How do you look at Ezekiel Elliott going forward? Yeah, so I think for me it comes down to the eye test. He just does not look like the same player that he looked like last year. Now I know his stats aren't terrible, um, but I also know that they're not they're not premium like like we see him going. You know, top, he was a locked in top five player in every single draft. You know, maybe a little bit outside the top five. You know, when obviously the uncertainties with him, you know, signing <laughs> preseason, but. Um, yeah, I mean, he got his money, he got paid, and uh, I don't know if the motivation's there. I mean, one thing with him is, uh, I can't say for certain, but I, I want a player on my team that loves football, and I don't get the feeling that Zeke loves football. So um, he's not a player that I, I have very many shares of. Um, I also think that, you know, he hasn't been used in the passing game like he has in, in, in the past several years. So I think with the combination of, you know, him just looking slow, um, the, the the Dallas offense and, and Dak Prescott, you know, really looking like an elite quarterback this year. I think they haven't had a choice but to change their strategy and their game plan. And um, you know, listening to Dallas radio, they they just dog on on the play calling, the games they lose because it just it's notorious. They run on first down, they run on second down, and they throw on third every time the Cowboys lose. That's what the radio station talks about. <laughs> so, so, you know, anytime, anytime you're creative on offense, which unfortunately they've kind of got away from the play-action offense that they need to be to be successful, but what it comes down to is Zeke has just not been the threat this year that he has been in years past, in my opinion. Um, moving back to the receiver position, a, a guy that, that uh, you, you're probably pretty familiar with in Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, it's it's interesting what's going on in Denver. They, they, they had the Joe Flacco thing. Now it's Brandon Allen. It seems like... You know, Drew, Drew Locke's going to get his turn here sooner rather than later. How does his fantasy value, Sutton's I'm talking about, change when Locke takes over over Brandon Allen? And could he be a big breakout in 2020? So this is a tough subject for me being a diehard Broncos fan because I was actually at the NFL draft last year, you know, wearing my ridiculous custom-made Denver Broncos suit. And uh, I was on the red carpet, and Josh Allen was coming down the red carpet and they spin the wheel, which team you're going to go to. He landed on the Broncos. He saw me in the stands. He pointed at me. They threw the ball to me. I caught it on live TV. And cool, I'm thinking the Broncos are actually going to do something right here and draft an elite quarterback in the first round. And they drafted Bradley Chubb. So, unfortunately, this is a tough subject because John Elway cannot get the quarterback position right. Now, it's not that I don't like Drew Locke. Obviously, everyone, the, the consensus was he was a first-round pick. That fell to the second round. Uh, but he just reminds me a little bit too much of another Broncos quarterback that I was not very fond of, Smokin' Jay. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's a demeanor thing or if they just look like, you know, doppelgangers of each other or what it is. But, you know, for me, just the gunslinger mentality in this in this current NFL, we talked about dual threats like the Patrick Mahomes and the the Kyler Murrays and and the Lamar Jacksons, but 
I, I'm just not sure if Drew Locke's the answer. Now, like a lot of other Broncos fans, I want to put him in and, and see what we have. But anytime you're you're playing behind that lethargic offensive line, I'm not sure who your quarterback who matters who your quarterback is. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what happens. Um, you know, really, really kind of hate to say it, but I'm kind of hoping that we lose out so we can get our hands on, you know, one of these top quarterbacks coming out. Obviously, Joe Burrow is probably going number one to the Bengals, but, you know, we still have a couple other guys like Tua, hopefully he gets over that injury, and, you know, Justin Herbert to name a few. So um, I personally don't think the Broncos quarterback of the future is on their roster. Yeah, I, yeah. I've never really been a fan of um... – uh, well, I, you know, as a Packers fan, I'm pretty spoiled with with quarterback play, but I've never really been a fan of um, a non first round pick. Uh, you know, I I know it, it happens. You you can Tom Brady was a six rounder, Russell Wilson was a third rounder. It, it can be done, but the hit rate for quarterbacks who weren't first round picks is is not great, and even second round is it's 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 brutal. And so you you look at the Broncos are, are in an interesting position because. I like the talent they have in the backfield. Obviously, Sutton, uh, you know, is, is a future number one. Noah Fant is really coming on uh, too. So you you got those two good pass catchers. You know, Deshaun Hamilton's still there as well. And I, it seems like everybody really likes Tim Patrick too. But you're right, the offensive line needs to be fixed, and you certainly don't want to throw a, um, you know, your quarterback of the future behind that offensive line and and you know David Carham to death. But um, I, I think that there's there's some pieces there. So if you get the right quarterback, and maybe it's in the first round in, in 2020, I don't know. But uh, if you do, uh, I'm loving Sutton a lot more. I'm loving Fant a lot more. The running back value there in Freeman and Lindsey goes up too. It just, you know, it, it helps everybody. So I'll, I will definitely be looking forward to see what Denver does in the first round, uh, no question. Um, Josh, the, the 2019 waiver wire for me, I feel like I was always – not that I was saving my, my free agent money, but I feel like I was always waiting for that, that big player um, or a couple of big players to hit the waiver wire. And to me, it just never really came. You know, I, I thought it was going to be Ty Johnson, and it really wasn't. And I thought it was going to be Brian Hill, and then it really wasn't. You know, there wasn't really that big-time player out there, and, and there wasn't a, a ton of difference makers either. Do you think that 2019... Um, it, you know, going back in, in your high stakes experience, do you think 2019 was a really low impact waiver wire year? I was just as guilty as you were. I kept holding on to my money, waiting for someone to evolve. And, and there was not a 2019 Arian Foster this year, unfortunately. Um, looking back at, at some of the impact players, there was none. Uh, I think the, the best player that I recall seeing going the first week of waivers was was Terry McLaurin. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, I think DJ Shark I saw was in waivers in one or two of my leagues. So right now, I mean, this has not been a a very impactful year as far as waivers go. Uh, One player that I felt, you know, I I feel like the the term sleeper is is a little loosely used this, this day and age because with so much data that's out there, it's really hard to be a traditional sleeper. But I got to say one guy that I was really on last year that that did come out of nowhere was an undrafted running back by my Denver Broncos, Philip Lindsay. Sure. And, and he, you know, if you recall, he was, he was a pretty heavy, you know, week one waiver wire pickup. And, you know, he went on to have over a thousand total yards and five plus touchdowns and, you know, finished the season as a borderline running back one. So, um, that has not happened this year. And uh, obviously, as waivers come to a close right now, uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. 
I uh, yeah, it, I don't see anything. I, ju- I just you know, and it, and you know, I think like as the weeks went on, I, w- I was more and more aggressive, so I at least spent the money. I just wasn't impressed with the uh, with the return on it. And we'll see what happens next year. I mean, maybe maybe everybody is just like you said with all that data out there. Maybe everybody is just that much better of a drafter, and that's something that we'll have to adjust next year in, in the drafting process. I'm not sure. Um, it, it, this just could be a one-off, and I hate to make wide-sweeping changes right now based on one year of data. Uh, but it's something that we'll be talking about all off-season. Um, is is there a player out there that that you went hard after this week with you know with waivers closing a, a, a guy that maybe has I don't want to say potential to be a league winner, uh, but a guy that has the potential maybe to uh, to catch fire here and uh, be a difference maker down the stretch. Or was it all about, you know, just getting some depth uh, on your teams uh, for the stretch run here, Josh? Yeah, so since I missed out on Jonathan Williams last week, um, I was I had very little blind bid money left to spend. So, you know, I didn't have any targets for this week. But as far as just giving the listeners, you know, a couple names that I, I you know, I think I would keep an eye on. And unfortunately, a few of these guys were not available in my leagues or I would have, you know, probably looked at them pretty hard. Um, Sam Darnold has a really, really strong schedule coming up. And um, he's been a, a top six quarterback the last three games. Um, you know, same with with Tannehill. You know, he's he's really, you know, the only down downside with Tannehill is, you know, that team throws the ball 20 to 25 times a game. So you're really hoping on high efficiency and and touchdowns there. But they've been there the last couple of weeks. And and, um, you know, another guy I like is, is Joku. Um, he he's, you know, obviously it's a one dot five tight end. And, uh, you know, he's he's definitely a guy that, that that's coming off the IR. And um, I'm, I'm surprised that Landry's turned into the number one wide receiver there. But uh, Cleveland, again, has a very easy schedule down the stretch. And uh, we all know that this league is is pretty neglected on the tight end position. So, you know, someone like Joku, if he's available in your league, I, I would definitely try to grab him for the yep. stretch run. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. That's uh, We talked about that last week, too. And, and, and that's somebody that, you know, it may pay, it may pan out to be nothing, but when you have such a, a waiver wire that's been picked clean and you get the upside, you know, sort of like the attitude you had with Will, uh, how was said Will Ferrell, Will Fuller, uh, Will Ferrell's on your waiver wire. Just leave him out there. He's uh, he he can't create separation from the receivers. Will Fuller, uh, with, with the upside that that you have with him, I think there's the similar upside with Njoku and and players like that. When you're going for a half million bucks on a picked over waiver wire, they just shouldn't be out there. You got to find a spot for him on your team. Uh, Josh, one uh, last question here before I let you go celebrate uh, Thanksgiving with with the fam uh, and friends. What is one player? Uh, who is one player? Excuse me. That you think. A lot of people will be starting in week 13 that is going to be better off on their bench. And, uh, and then another player that a lot of people will, will actually um, uh, have uh, on their bench because of uh, you know expected low output game that you think is actually going to be uh, having a pretty good weekend. So one, one guy I know burned a lot of people uh, against the Chargers a couple weeks ago, and his name is Tyreek Hill. And uh, they're saying he's completely healthy. He's passed his hamstring injury. And uh, I know he's, you know, a lot of people have him as a top five play this week and and not me. Um, You know, I would obviously be looking at, you know, other options. It's hard to start anybody over a Tyreek Hill just with how much potential he has. Um, But a hamstring injury for a wide receiver of his stature, no thank you. So definitely avoiding Tyreek Hill this week. 
Uh, a player that I have been very high on this week, this year, that unfortunately the last couple of weeks hasn't done much with more opportunity in front of him. It's Miles Sanders. But anytime you get to play the 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 Miami Dolphins, you're rolling them out. And um, I think Howard's out again this week. I think Miles Sanders and the Eagles offense. I think they have a, a turnaround game. You know, they just have not looked like themselves the last few weeks. But the best recipe for getting on point is playing the Miami Dolphins. So Miles Sanders, I see him as a top 10 play this week. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And it's, I, I actually need him in, in one of my uh, league championships in uh, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. I actually need him to, to have a big week, and, and hopefully he will. Uh, it, it's going to be a fun Thanksgiving day of Turkey Day games. It's going to be a fun week 13. And it should be a very fun and entertaining stretch run for you, my friend, with uh, – you know, being so close to the mountaintop here in the FFPC main event, trying to win that half million dollars. Good luck to you. I hope the ball bounces your way. Thanks so much for chatting uh, fantasy with me this week. I really appreciate it, dude. Have a uh, happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.